Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome to Books Boys, live from the Grand Library, the Dean and PJ. Hello there. I'm the Dean and we are the Books Boys. This is the, the Books one Bo- and only. This is the Books Boys show. Get it? Buy it? Books. Oh, I interrupted you there, Dean. The, but it was the, my fault. I, I forgot that you, you'd think after 22 episodes I'd remember which, which bit comes in, in which order, but apparently not. Well, it, it's, it's very shocking. Shocking <sighs> stuff. And you know what's even more shocking? What? So I made my way today to the library in Dresden. So I heard of this place. They call it a bibliothèque. And supposedly mm-hmm. it's a place where they keep books. So you've gotten uh, out of the supermarket. You've gotten out of the toilet paper aisle. And you find somewhere, you've heard a rumor there might be some books in this, uh, this building you're in. Yeah, so it's got a building and there are bathrooms. So I've been inside the bathrooms checking out the, the toilet rolls. Sure. Um, I, I, I can't find Shakespeare's complete works of um, uh, of plays. I, I, might, I might have found some P.G. Woodhouse, but I'm not sure the scripture is a bit... Okay. Maybe maybe they're sold out of Shakespeare. Did you find you know any any Plato or anything like that in there? Well, I, well, you see, I didn't find that much at all. I thought it was supposed to be full of these, of these books, but I just found a few handful of toilet papers that no publication dates. It didn't say if it's first edition or third. Mm. Um, it, you know, made made in China, so it seems to be very big into the uh, Chinese authors, postmodern right. Chinese authors. Very I think curious. it's a new movement, post postmodern Chinese literature that uses invisible ink and and scripture uh, on scrolls. I think that's what the new book is. Yeah, they they love the scrolls in the in the bathroom section. Do you know, I'm I'm excited because I put it. 22 months ago, when I made the intro to the show, I said, live from the Grand Library. And this is the first time that either of us have actually been in the library during, during the show. Oh, so. <laughs> well, there you go. I'm literally, in a big, I'm literally in a big library. So today, instead of cricket, there are echoey big halls and some disgruntled looking students giving me the look. Mm-hmm. So that's so, what today's atmosphere is. So the good news is we don't get sued for lying about where we host the show in a library. And, and secondly... Um, you didn't bring the crickets with you, right? I, I'm afraid I left them in Italy. Um, I, okay. Good. I was hoping that Alex was going to send over a packet mm. from the US, but it hasn't hasn't arrived yet. I'm oh. a bit. The the good news then is that this episode should be um, like child's play after the technical um, nightmare that was last month, um, which it came out okay in the edit, but it was a lot of work for us. <laughs> It was a lot of work and it was last minute. I think we only had a few hours until the end of June. 
Yeah, it was, uh, that yeah, was the, last thing. the most difficult episode to do, but we we got there. So I should just mention quickly, because like schedules all over the place at the minute. We're recording a few days early as well. Summer summer gets in the way. You were in Italy. And, you know, as you mentioned, our, our other co-hosts from Playboys, Alex and so on, our everyone's traveling around. I'm just back from, from a week and a half in, in Spain myself. So everything's a little bit uh, last minute. I even... Um, I spent I spent uh, two days, two entire days, just dancing on the beach to to Spanish music. Uh, Fourteen and a half hours, you know, dancing to Spanish music on, on the beach. I oh, saw Lord. a whole lot of bands that yeah. probably no one listening will ever have heard of. Um, and then I went to this very fancy garden in Barcelona, and I saw Cool and the Gang playing under a Juliet nice. balcony in a very lovely setup. And then I saw a French singer, Zaz, and I watched her car get mobbed by the fans, like paparazzi taking photos through the window of her, of her car, um, which I thought was a little bit disrespectful, you know. But um, So it sounds like you had some literary adventures, some Woodhousian adventures. I did. And of course, I, I told myself I'm not going to bring back any books. And then I brought back just four or five, not too many, you know, um, but just a few books that I, I got. Um, so the bookshops in Spain are fantastic. And, you know, the reread I really love because you get them very cheaply. The new, the new books shops can be quite expensive in Spain. Um, but I, I love it. I love to buy the books and bring them home because they have great selection. They have more Dumas, for example, there than we have sure. usually here. Nice, nice. Wilkie Collins and all that. You know, they have a really good selection. They love their, their classics. So I, I got a few. But look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start... I'm going to tell you about the first book I read this month. I have it here. I'll show it to you. It's called uh, Countdown to a Killing um, by Tom Von McCauley. Now, this book has only just come out this month in July. So it's, it's brand new. So we're one of the first to get our hands on it. And the, the interesting thing about this book, PJ, is that the entire, the entire story is told in, in correspondence. So it's all WhatsApps and emails. Now, it's about 300 pages, but I, I read it in one day because it was so, so addictive and the conversation style made me want to keep on, you know, constantly um, reading. Yeah. So, so as I'm saying, the whole book, it's all WhatsApps and emails. There's no narrative at all. Um, and what? I read all 300 pages in one day because it was so addictive. Really? Yeah. It's, it's a brilliant concept. And it is a crime book. And yeah. the author is actually a solicitor himself. So he, he works, well, I don't know exactly what area of, of the law he works in, but he's, he's produced this amazing detective novel. And it's called Countdown to a Killing because the idea is that there will be a murder later in the book. And they tell us oh, that. Okay. And sometimes there are little editorial notes that say things like, you know, guys, just bear with us. We, we promise there will be a murder. Just keep, <laughs> keep reading and you're waiting for the murder. Um, but what's spectacular is that you really get involved with the lives of the characters and you kind of don't yeah. care if the murder ever comes because you just you're enjoying what you're reading. And it must be very easy to read, you know, and because we're used to WhatsApp messages and Facebook messages. So it's almost like um, almost more accessible for the younger generation even for us. Like. It is, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think it's a fantastic idea. Um, it's very, very novel. Yeah. Uh, I've not seen anything done like this before, you know. And as I say, 300 no, pages, done. I read it in one day because it's just, it's, it's very, very easy to, to get through. It's just an, an, an endless conversation, you know. Yeah, yeah. 
It does. Um, it's very original. The closest thing I can think of is the cell novel, which is quite big in East Asia. So basically, um, it's basically a similar concept, novels through the format of text messages, or I'm not sure if they use WhatsApp messages, but that basically you're reading it from the phone, a new novel, and usually it's like a work in progress. Usually it's like Dickensian, like the new Dickens, like yeah. writing the chapter every day, but sending it to your phone. And so, But I like this format even better. I like it. Cool. Why not something else? Yeah. And so the, the, the main chap is a guy called um, Lomax, and he's been off doing a secondment. So he's basically been off on holidays in, in Sicily wor- working, um, but actually he's just kind of mm. having having a nice time, really. And then he has to come back <laughs> to the office and kind of get back to reality. And his boss, Julian, yeah. doesn't like him. And, you know, he gives him a bad performance review, even though he did a good job in Sicily. And kind of says, you do a good oh. job, but you're cynical and you're not a company man. You know, you make jokes yeah. about me. So give you a bad review and you don't get your bonus this year. And you, you think, well, this guy, Julian's a bit of an ass. But then he's got a lot of stuff himself. He's trying to manage a team um, that doesn't have enough staff. You know, the bosses aren't giving him resources he's in hmm. he's struggling with coming out as being gay to his dad he's got a, a partner who's just an alcoholic and doesn't contribute anything to the you know to the rent or anything like that so and is actually quite abusive to him so you you, oh, you, you actually think initially you think this guy's the bad guy and then you realize no he's not he's just a, a complicated character you know and and even the main guy lomax isn't that great you know he he is very cynical and he is you know not a yes man which is a trait that i like but he struggles with some kind of loneliness himself he's not very personable he's immediately kind of not nice to the new girl who starts and and this kind of stuff you know he's a bit of an anti-hero in some ways and doesn't really care about anyone but he's obsessed with this girl he met in sicily who's this super bohemian girl but she's also really, really a, just a very horrible, unpleasant person. And she's sometimes abusive to him as well, just mean and, and you know, um, going around with other guys and calling him a loser and all this kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. And just ignoring him for, for you know, periods of time. Uh, and there's one nice character who's Wen Lee, this new girl who starts. Um, and she starts in the office and she initially doesn't like Lomax, but she gets to know him and, and gets to like him eventually and, and actually falls in love with him. And this is early, uh, early page kind okay. of stuff, you know, okay. but okay. she, she's a very, very nice um, character, you know, and I, I really, really enjoy um, what she, what she brings because she's supportive. She does get into a relationship that, you know, with someone who cheats on her, but she's really good with, with, um, Lomax and I think that they have a good a good relationship together so oh, hold on a second now PJ oh. I think we might be getting a, a call here good lord who's that hello you're through to books boys you got both Dean and PJ on the line who's calling hello it's Tom McCauley here Ah, uh, Tom wow oh what, a, what a coincidence we were we were just chatting <laughs> about uh, Countdown to a Killing there we have an endless series of these coincidence. coincidences every every month, you know. Crazy, <laughs> exactly on the right time, exactly the right time. That's every amazing. time, yeah. Impressive. Authors must all be telepathic. I don't know. I don't know how they do it. It's special yes, connection, special book instinct. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us. No, no problem. Is very pleased to join you, and uh, you know, I'd heard um, um, some complimentary things you said about the novel, so it was a great chance to, to, to talk to you guys about it. So thanks very much for having me. 
That's right. I also submitted a little review. I, I read this in the day, like I was just telling BJ there, genuinely, the, the way that it flows with the snippets of WhatsApps and emails just made it such that I couldn't put it down. It was just an endless conversation that I thought, well, I want to find out what, you know, who says what next. And, and I couldn't. And you're building up to the murder, of course, as well. So you keep thinking, hey, we've got to keep going, keep going, you know? <laughs> yes, I think and it's great to hear that. I think that the... Um... The, the sort of the thrust towards the crime, it does keep one um, on one's toes, although, of course, it's a bit tongue in cheek. And, uh, you know, on, on one level is a sort of not a pastiche of the crime fiction, but sort of is, is, is taking that slightly lightheartedly while exploring mm. perhaps deeper issues. Yeah, okay. there are. I was saying there as well, there's some issues with so I was talking about the characters before you rang in. And of course, would it be safe to say that Apart from maybe Wen Lee, who I think is a lovely person, Lomax and Julian, they have really good qualities and also some some bad qualities. And I think that it's just a lot of characters struggling with essentially with aspects of normal life. And some of them have, you know, maybe some loneliness issues and relationship issues and and just trying to fight their way through existence almost. Yes, I think that's exactly right, because people were saying, you know, some reviews were saying, oh, it's a cast of eccentric characters. And I said, well, actually... It is and it isn't, it is. But actually, if you that's because we are privy to their private messages and emails. And if you got an average bunch of people from the street or work, you know, they're probably no more eccentric than the average person. And, yeah. you know, and I think that the binding, the thing that does bind them all is, is, is indeed the loneliness. And they're all kind of hiding that in different ways. And, and it's interesting to say that about when, because many people have said she's, you know, clearly got oodles of, of, of you know, kindness, etc. Although... I, I always thought that, you know, perhaps she was a little bit needy as well sometimes. And I think Lomax says that in, a, in an area. So yeah. she's, yeah. yeah. But you're absolutely right about the other characters. And um, I, I I felt that, uh, you know, the structure of the novel really goes to show the different sides because you're, you're presented, you know, for example, Julian as the sort of horrible boss with a mean name for him, the you know, the rat witch. And then rat witch. Little do you know that he's in the same room emailing his abusive partner and, you know, is in this horrible, toxic relationship. So, yeah, but but it's good that, you, you know, it's interesting that you picked up on that loneliness thing, because I think that does pervade all the characters' lives, actually. Yeah. And you're, you're perfectly right about Julian. Initially, you don't like him until you find out a bit more about him and you realise, you know, oh, he's actually a very sympathetic character, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. He's um, he, some people have actually said to me that actually he's the favorite character because, wow. uh, yeah. yeah, because the, the sort of I think anybody who's I mean, I, 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 you know, I'm not a boss, but I think anyone who's been a boss must feel frustrated that, um, mm. you know, you've got these two people when in Lomax were sort of demon, demonizing him in some way. Mm. And yet they're actually not the ones doing much work. They've got limited responsibilities and he's the one trying to. Mm keep the ship afloat and and is you know and is having just as tough a time if not far tougher than than them so so yeah yeah apparently came across quite sympathetically yeah. uh, my favorite character is Wen's mum even though we don't really see her she doesn't do a lot <laughs> in the novel but it's just when you see the the little text and Wen's like no he doesn't want to read my poems from when I was a kid you know he can't yeah. even read Chinese you know it's like no stick to the recipe why have you made something different mom yeah. please I, I love it <laughs> <laughs> It's very good. It's nice to say that because I think that um, people were saying it was interesting that the the correspondence is one sided from all the characters, but actually I I think that well obviously that's very deliberate 
sort of conscious literary device, but also I think it does allow you to get your own impression of the characters who you never yeah. actually hear from directly. Um, whether that be the abusive Toby, um, you know, Julia's partner, or 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 or, or Wen's mum, you can just see running around. Uh, and stressing her out sort of thing I'm, uh, I hoped it brings them to that and Katie you know Katie, sort of yeah. stuck in the law firm all night just listening to reading these endless emails from her sort of slightly lonely friend I couldn't figure out the dynamic there so PJ there's this this friend Katie that Lomax has mm-hmm. he emails her every week uh, so, well in theory once okay. a week but sometimes more sort of regular mm-hmm. updates about his life and then eventually she accidentally kind of you know forwards on a reply where she kind of isn't too kind to him and they, they fall out for a while but it's oh, just his loneliness again coming out he wants someone to talk to and to give little updates to you know yeah um, i just loved how lomax's um lomax's kind of view of the world is is sort of wonderfully diverse from the reality you know so he's he's sitting there in this small flat with a leaky roof and he's writing these slightly grandiose emails to this to this friend of his who's clearly far more successful than him and yeah. you know, got, got a lot more going on in her life and um but he he's he's really getting into his emails and sort of and i i, th- I thought that was important that because not many people or not you know it's a certain type of person who writes those type of long emails so i think it needed to be a wannabe writer um who was you know lost in his own dream of doing something special um and she just puts up with it, I think. She, you know, she kind of puts up with this. And as yeah. you say, she then finally cracks one night and says to her husband, God, I've had this, you know, this crap through from Lomax again. But unfortunately, she sends it to Lomax, which is quite painful to her. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you mentioned a key detail there. And um, so this might interest you, PJ, is that uh, Lomax is a writer like yourself um, and okay, like okay. Tom. So he, initially, no, initially he wants to write a kind of sequel to Agatha Christie's and, and then there were none called and, and earlier there were 10 kind of a backwards uh, version <laughs> which which he realizes you know after some time is not gonna work <laughs> so he... <laughs> yeah and then he gets into this I think he, he writes it and then the reviewer says to him oh that's really really funny and and he's devastated because it wasn't meant to be funny oh, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> So he then um, he then realizes that his his latest mad then idea is to actually I'll make it really really funny and I'll make it as bad as it could be so it's a sort of pastiche uh, of a yeah. of a of a so yeah it's just he's he's constantly on the lookout for for brilliant literary ideas and not really able to execute them very well. Yeah, he seems yeah. to get progress eventually. Like he's in touch with an old yes. uh, college professor or whatever who helped him with literature and she gives him some tips. Um, She's not always yeah. necessarily there for him when he needs her, but... No, <laughs> no. And I thought there's that sort of thing that I deliberately tried to subtly bring in. Like, maybe he's driving this poor lady mad as well, you know, mm. but he keeps he keeps oh, referring right. to it as Professor Nithicott because he's proud that he's got this backer. But actually, maybe she sometimes she doesn't really reply for, for quite a while. So. Yeah. <laughs> but I like his view of the world. And I was sad when Julian said, you know, you did all right at, at your job, but, you know, you're cynical and you make jokes and you're not a company yes man. And I thought, good, you know, promote this yeah, man. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> it does exactly. sound like a very realistic book, to be honest. I mean, you know, people writing WhatsApp messages, sometimes people writing loquacious emails and not getting answers. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and um, I, think, I think it's to do with self-esteem as well. And, you know, it's that classic, he hasn't got any self-esteem in his job. Um, where he gains his self-esteem from is his, um, is his big dream that, you know, that one day he'll be out of here and, yeah. uh, and, and doing his thing. And I think many people can relate to that who do, who do yeah, any job. Totally, totally. 
It makes me think there are probably many uh, novels in private WhatsApp conversations because those are very long messages. Put them all together, edit it a bit, and you might have some very interesting insights into their lives, maybe even truer, truer literature than what they might try to write artificially, feel like. Yeah, that's why I chose this medium, actually, because I, I was like, you know, it seems to be a really... Well, one, it's kind of a very recent development, isn't it, for like humans generally, that yeah. we're putting down in messages stuff that wasn't really made for written yeah. correspondence, yeah. you know, like, so in the old days, mm -hmm. if you said, oh, Tom's in a real idiot, you would know that you were just saying that to let off steam and you didn't mean to state on the record. Yeah. But then if I read you your WhatsApp about me saying that, that would be very hurtful. And if you think about it, we're therefore all capable of having hurt virtually everyone close yeah. to us one time or another through whatsapp and and i thought that was quite i've always thought that's quite a scary development and maybe future generations will think what were we doing put you know committing all this to sort of the written permanent word when actually we didn't mean yeah. most of it yeah. <laughs> i mean we, we produce uh, more written material yeah. than any civilization in history it's insane they might have just data yeah 90% of which is is you know mundane <laughs> mundane and just our thoughts but yeah, time could, and not our yeah. real opinion and you know there's a sort of doomsday scenario that someone leaks all what's up to everyone or something and then everyone falls out with everyone they've ever known you know <laughs> it also makes for both i feel like it can make both for a raw story and yet also cruder maybe as well like crude and raw so it's like a mixture of, of it could be it could be a deeper real uh literature it could be a really superficial li literature and it feels like you're playing yeah. around with both of them Yes, so because Lomax is this creative person, he writes these long, you know, wannabe beautiful descriptions of everything he's doing and then meandering. And then you've got the British Chinese girl who's much more to the point with short and sharp WhatsApps, which sort of break up the rhythm somewhat, you know. So. Yes, she's very yeah. much just here's what's happening. And she's a sympathetic character, you know, even before what happens with her parents. She's sympathetic, just, you know, she's taking on the new job she's got some kind of her, her own kind of mental health issues and things like that she does have the loneliness she's she's willing to date a guy that cheated on her just because i think she doesn't want to be lonely and, and lomax yeah. doesn't seem to want her and and, <laughs> and and it's sad at times you know yeah i think i think i'm, I'm glad you, you you picked that up because there is a sort of element of not really darkness but sadness pervading some of these characters and uh, i yeah. think that the um the when and lomax thing is is exactly that that he's got these, these self-esteem issues and doesn't really think that it would ever be a girl with her because she's such an all-round you know fascinating person and yeah instead he's going after this really sort of odd character in in another country and you've, uh, you've, you've took me where i wanted i'm gonna ask you a question about her in a second <laughs> yeah well um and then no i was just gonna say and then when is clearly um also got self-esteem issues and um and is lonely and is going out with this you know we all know the type, don't we? Some sort of young city guy who thinks he's top dog and actually isn't very nice and she could do a lot better than him. Yeah. So tell us about the the, the girlfriend in, in Sicily, you know, because a very interesting character and maybe the only character that I don't like, you know. Yeah. I don't, she doesn't do anything mm. that makes me like her the way maybe Julian does. The more you see about him, you think, oh, he's not a bad guy, really. She's just kind of not, she's mean. She's mean. She, she's mean and uh, it's, a, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because the obvious point about her is you don't get to hear her voice back. Yeah. And that was sort of deliberate. And in the postscript to the novel, without giving anything away, there's a sort of slightly jarring uh, bit about, you know, it is noted that um, Aurora made a serious allegation about Lomax. And 
And that's what I wanted to do throughout. Just put this slight, I don't think there is any doubt because of the third party experiences of what happened there, but maybe there's this doubt that maybe it wasn't actually as straightforward as everything mm. you've just read. And maybe Lomax was a bit, you know, was not um, not a dark character, yeah. but may, maybe, may, maybe not. And I think, yeah, I think the interesting thing about her was that I thought it was important because there's a lot of positive female characters in the novel um, and and I thought there's nothing wrong with sort of having a balance there mm. and having a, a sort of the type, you know, a female, not stereotypical female either, but a female type who perhaps isn't great because I, I think that it is important to show the full round and you don't want to have this situation where, you know, when's clearly the nicest character, Katie's the most solid and successful, all the men are damaged. And I thought it was um, balancing to have the type of female character that, um, that you know, is probably not, as that common but but you know clearly does exist and 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 hopefully managed to delicately towards the end you know give the impression that actually it's not just that she's a she's unpleasant but she may have you know real issues herself um, yeah and and yeah so but I just thought it fitted well with um with Lomax because you know he he needed to be sort of in love with someone who was so obviously on paper not a great person mm. but he was constantly in his quest to sort of have this happy ending to his life. Um, Even know, when he has a better option much. presenting itself to him, he sticks yeah, with yeah. like, no, nah, I have to go back to this toxic <laughs> girl, you know? Well, he's a, he, as many artists are, he's a romantic, right? In the sense of exactly. he's romanticizing someone who is not really what he, ex- he, he expects. Mm-hmm. No, and, and it's distance and it's, you know, it's based on a short, passionate, uh, experience abroad and that sort of mm. thing is so different from the sort of humans that we we know yeah. on the basis of regular day-to-day correspondence so you're right he's um he's that's exactly the word he's he's deeply romanticized her and it's sort of comical and slightly painful when he sort of gives the objective story of what happened that day and the reader yeah. can clearly see oh god man she you know get, get away but he's sort of explaining <laughs> that it was actually romantic or something you know it's uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And lastly, we should we should mention um, Fifi, um, PJ yes. Fifi's this Italian. Um, well, he's he's a he's a dwarf, and he we also see a lot of problems with his family because his family have fallen out with him. You know, they don't get on with him. Really, it seems that his height is is one of the driving forces there. But he's just a lovely, lovely person, and he's very fiercely defending Lomax, his new friend. He attaches himself like super kind of. I want to hang out all the time and I'm here to defend you and all this kind of stuff, you know, let me add him kind of scrappy do style, almost like, you know, I'm, 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 I'm sticking up for you, but he's a lovely, lovely guy. And you feel really bad for him when he reaches out to his family and they're just not interested, you know? Yeah. I think that was, um, cause obviously, um, you know, with the, with the, with the drive that I fully support, you know, about sort of inclusive writing. And I do think that people with restricted growth probably, is a real area which hasn't been explored and it's so easy to write about them and sort of be you know to to read about them and sort of it could have been comical or mean or something you know and mm-hmm. and, I, and I thought what about you know inverting that and really giving him humanity and and the sadness and and, and respect and actually in yeah. some in some ways he's the hero of the of the novel and um you know and and so yeah it was quite interesting um reading about that and and it's this sort of classic thing isn't it where <clears throat> it could be comical from Lomax's perspective in some ways mm-hmm. on a superficial level but if you think about it you're like but that's just as mean as yeah that's just as mean as any of the other stereotypes that we're addressing in the book such as you know 
ethnicity or sexuality or whatever. So it's, it deserves you know, equal, equal delicacy. And Lomax isn't necessarily such a good friend back. He's not, he's not, he's not a terrible friend, but he's not, mm. you know, he's, he doesn't really care, yes. you know. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the thing about Lomax. He's clearly good-hearted and is, is, you know, prepared to defend him, but equally is so wrapped up in himself that, um, and as you say, that's the, when people say, oh, Lomax is just this lovely character or lovable, it's like, well, he's very human. Like, he's not perfect, mm. actually, and, uh, and does tend to see everything from his own, dramatic you know overly dramatic view of what is a rather <laughs> unremarkable life um, yeah yeah I have one question for you because you know you're, so you're a solicitor and you wanted yeah. to write a crime novel was there any what what prevented you and thank goodness it you know it it did because this novel's amazing but was there any desire to be like right I'm gonna do like a John Grisham style just intricate legal thriller or or did you immediately say no like that's not what I want to do yeah yeah no it was it was funny it wasn't it was it was actually originally I was thinking more of um it, it sort of the crime came about um sort of later in the thought process actually so it was more that um I really wanted to write about these different characters and 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 use the the, the you know use the form um, and, and particularly the the idea of multiple stories playing out and crime the crime sort of genre just appealed because with something like that you really do need an impetus and a structure otherwise you're going to get lost in all these people's stories without any narrative mm. thrust so I just find that the crime genre is great for for giving impetus to the story and as I say it's tongue-in-cheek but at the same time you are driven on to find out well what what does actually happen here yeah. but no I've never um so far written um a, a thriller like that actually um um but but yeah hopefully it still gives a bit of you know page technique focus um it does and so this has only just come out so do you want to tell us like is there have you already got ideas for what's next or take a break yeah it, it took no well actually it took um I, I, writing the novel didn't take as long as my first one so it was kind of like one or one or two years on and off um and then it just took a while to get it published so, you know it's um it's as we probably all know the the uh you know the publishing world and agency world is is quite slow to say the yeah. least and um so that did take a while of uh, false starts and or, or rather me me focusing too much on a particular publisher and then you know revising it and so in the meantime, was writing a third one, which is which is different, very different from this. Um, so actually, you know, that's a really nice thing about having a novel published because you've got um, you think that's just off my plate now. You know, people can say what they want, but there's, I, I'm not touching that again. And um, it's really nice to just revisit these drafts. And, and, you know, it's almost like a blank page again, or even though it's quite developed. So, yeah, this the third one will be will be very different. Nice. Do you want to tell us real quick where we can go to get this one then? Do you want to give us a plug? The 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 yeah. The tell, tell us where to get the book. Oh yeah, so it's in um it's in Waterstones. It's obviously Amazon's very easy to get. It's mm-hmm. um, W H Smith seem to be um, um stocking it as well, and I think lots okay. of independent bookshops I've been told have got it. So, but Waterstones certainly would be the obvious one on the high street. Oh, I'll put a link in the show notes anyway, just to your site and things like that, so people can check it out. Well, PJ, do you have any any other questions before I ask the? Uh... The usual final question. Well, I do want to know. Uh, can you can you tell us briefly what inspired you to write the novel? Ultimately, was it was it looking at WhatsApp culture, or was there a specific incident maybe that kind of triggered one point of the story? Yeah, it was it was the the first one of those actually. So it it really was kind of 
if I'm going to write the second novel, how are we going to make it relevant? It was it was during the period where you know Netflix had really kicked off, and it was like, is the novel, you know, which is still the discussion now, is how relevant is the novel? And and then I thought, well, you know, how do you how do you write something which doesn't become? You don't want this. It's either a novel or it's this kind of very comic book type, you know, colourful yeah. what's ups which would yeah. bore everyone. And it's like, how can you turn that into a you know, realistic but into a proper novel telling and I used to enjoy epistry novels as well like the old-fashioned ones and yeah, so I thought okay. give it a go and I thought but it does have to have a character who's, who likes to write otherwise mm-hmm. it would be very tedious to read and the whatsapps are you know a very small percentage okay. of, the, of the text cool. yeah very good well our last question I asked everyone um, and I never let anyone prep for it so uh, I'm going to spring this one on you but if there's any book that exists essentially it's what's your favorite book but not quite if there's any book that exists that you wish you'd been the author of what would it be wow okay um so a hundred years of solitude is obviously oh, yes. there you go pj you love that one <laughs> sorry sorry I cut you off there by Garcia marcus for the listeners right it's just I just find that novel I read it at university had to and it's the only novel it sounds really weird what I'm about to say but I was going off to the exam and I read the end again just before the exam and Mm. there's a line when it says and then the wind began and I actually felt some wind and I was like Jesus I mean this the way this guy writes and again it was you know very intertextual you know unless in case people haven't heard of it I won't give it away but the, the idea that you're you're reading a book that maybe a book that someone else is writing within the novel and it's self-referential and all that. I just, I'd love mm-hmm. all that. Brilliant. Well, I, I actually do mention it in almost every episode. He mentions it, it a lot and I've not read it yet. <laughs> one of my Desert Island books. And the same with you. When I read that ending, I was at a stormy beach and right. yeah, I, I was out spoiling anything, but uh, obviously it was a perfect place to read such an ending. And I felt many yeah. times throughout the books, these different emotions and feelings and i laughed out loud and it was it's also comic and tragic it's beautiful yes yes well, joys. there we are then tom thank you so much for your time thanks for calling in and i absolutely love the book so whenever i i hear tell that the next one's out i'll be sure to pick it up oh well, thanks very much guys really enjoyed that chat awesome thanks yeah, take care take it easy bye. Bye. bye see you well well there we go uh Series of wow. endless coincidences, but brilliant, brilliant book. Countdown to it. And I, and I am delighted that he chose 100 Years of Solitude. So there you go, Dean. <laughs> I you know, I, you love it. I know, I know you're skeptical about your Latin American literature, but it is a quintessential novel, as all I always right, say. All right. Well, I'll take two minutes here before we move on, just to mention to everyone. So booksboys.com is our website. You can find links to their various things on there, uh, including our Patreon and you can just go directly to patreon.com slash booksvoice as well. And you can get the extra shows that we do. So this month, what's just come out, the last, you're probably thinking these have been going on forever, but the final episode of Interviews from the Vault, episode 15, where I interviewed <laughs> Danny Seraphine, the original drummer from the hit band Chicago. If you leave me now, you take away oh, wow. the biggest part of me. So I interviewed him for his yeah. solo album um, nine years ago. And you can, you can catch that on the last Interviews from the Vault. We also released this month some Playboys Extra, Luthe de Bohemia, with Mireya. We talked about the, the Valle, uh, Del Valle Inclan play, a Galician author. And it's a great play. Yeah. Great play. And we also did the Lorca play, The House of Bernarda Alba. So there's been a couple of episodes out um, this month. So 
Basically, what you can get on our Patreon is Playboys, where we review plays. A lot of Shakespeare's on there. I think 14 or 15 Shakespeare's, a couple of other things. Plus, you got Film Fellows, Dark Place Dreamers, Caper Captains, and, and a whole mishmash of crazy things. So We've got two random Norwegian plays, just for fun. Just for the yeah, Norsk yeah. fan. We do. We got, a, we got a lot of stuff on there. We've got some poetry pals, music men, games guys, you know. So check it, check it out, guys, on the Patreon, and you can get yourself a uh, Books Boys t-shirt, and you can recommend books for us to, to read and all that kind of stuff. And and then that, that helps us, and that means I can afford another trip to Spain. So, you know, it's... it's the I'll thing. do that, yeah. and, which would lead to further Instagram photos of Dean posing yeah. with, with books, and we all need that. The world needs that, just as That's much it. as World of Peace, right? Yeah, it's, it's very, very important on the top... The UN meetings, they're saying we need more book photos from, from uh, the books boys, you know, so it's on there. So the other thing I, I will say as well is uh, booksboys at hotmail.com if you want to get in contact with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you can do that or you can also use social media. We have a comment from a Kyle McKay who says, just came across you guys. I'm trying to get back into reading more. You guys nice. are really cool and really informative on the good books that are out there. So thank you, Kyle. We appreciate your comments. And yeah, feel free to write anything, guys. Um, give us book recommendations. Send us your books as well, please, so we can read it and maybe even organize an interview if possible in our timetable. That's it. Feel free. So, PJ, do you want to tell us uh, what you've read this month? Indeed. So, what I've read is uh, I've read Dino Busati. Now, do you know this chap, Dean? I no, honestly, no. I, I can't say I've ever heard of him. Okay, so Dino Bustati um, is an Italian author who wrote mainly in the uh, 40s, 50s, and 60s. And he was famous at this time, but okay. he has, even in Italy, lost a bit of popularity. The most famous yeah. thing he's maybe written also in the, outside Italy is um, The Famous Invasions of the Bears in Sicily, which has become a, a children's film. Um, okay. Is this book anyway. available in English, PJ? Yes, so I have it for myself. So this, so this time it is. So this time it is. He, he's... As I said, he was famous enough with his novel, The Tartar uh, Step, his third novel, which was quite famous in the 40s. Anyway, this is a really important book. It's called La Boutique del Misterio. So basically the the boutique shop of mystery. Sure, of course. Indeed. And I got this on my first day in Italy because I had read one of his short stories before and and I consciously seeked him out. Uh, just any book of his and i'm glad i took i took this because this is the best book to start with because he purposely compiled his favorite 31 stories um i have the quote here let me just get the quote for you dean here so you can trust my authenticity one second he said was a loose translation he said i lost it now what he said he said, 31 stories um, put into order by Dino Bussati with the, hope of, uh, with the hope of making the reader know his best selected works. Um, so it's a good book to start off with because it's a compilation of, I think, three books of short stories. He's okay. written about 150 short stories. It's quite a lot. That's just me. Wow. And it, it's a delight. Honestly, every short story is memorable. Every short story has a very interesting philosophical theme. So he's kind of, he's from the existentialism era, but he's a lot more into the fantasy realm. He's a lot more into the more Camus vibe than uh, Camus or Sartre would be. And a bit less into the do we exist vibe. He, he doesn't often question the role in existence, 
But God, for example, often appears in the book almost like a sci-fi character who doesn't talk. Um, the, okay. Let me start off with one of his, probably his first short story, because it's in the first story selection he wrote. It's called The Seven Messengers. He said the Messageri, still one of his best known, best known stories. This is basically about uh, a prince who decides to explore the kingdom of his father and who day by day goes uh, distance themselves from the city and from the news of anyone and this becomes rare and rare sorry that was a very loose translation of the beginning but that's basically how the story begins and he has seven messengers who he gives them alphabetical names and what he does is he sends back the messengers to his hometown home city and but the problem is the the more distance he makes from the from the city and he thinks he's about to reach the border he thinks, well, we're going to reach the board in a few weeks, lads. Don't worry about it. But no, it's just there is there seems to be no end to the kingdom. And every time he sends a messenger, the letter he gets back obviously becomes rarer and rarer right. until like years pass by without hearing back from him. And he just ex- describes like that the letters he receives back don't make sense to him. He can't, the emotions, they seem to be archaic. The language right. seems to be outdated. And it's a bit maybe extreme because only eight years have passed. But it makes it sound like he's been going for trend, centuries mm. and centuries. And he kind of hopes that the weather he's experiencing, the birds he hears are the same. But it's kind of like a illusion because he feels like, well, this is not like my hometown. And I feel like a stranger. So we got the theme of stranger. Now, this okay. story was written about 1940s. So it is a very existential yeah, story. Yeah. But still a big kind of um, fantasy element, I feel. Because a lot of the landscapes he uses are very vague kind of fantasy. Are this, is this even Earth kind of landscapes? Um, so without getting into all the stories, obviously, I'll just mention my favorite ones. Um, that is one of my favorite ones from the same book is the story Seven Floors, not okay. Seven Messengers, Seven Floors. And this is an interesting concept. Yeah, I think this is one of the, most, one of the more interesting philosophical concepts of the book. It's about the, it's kind of like about the philosophy, philosophy of the institution of health. So do you think that if someone goes into a hospital, okay, but they call it more like a health house. So this guy's going into the hospital because he's got some kind of disease and he's here that in this place they can cure it easily. Yeah. And if you go to the seventh floor, the top floor, that's for people with hardly any illnesses, jolly people. They just feel slightly ill at ease. And the more, the worse the illness becomes, the lower down you go. Mm-hmm. Okay. What happens is there's always an element of absurd more than existentialism, Dino Bassati, by a series of more like bureaucratic mistakes and, and coincidences. He seems to go lower down every time. But this is an interest, interesting point. Because the atmosphere is always slightly darker, slightly more pessimistic, slightly more sick-oriented, he also gets sicker. Ah. So do you think that makes sense? Or do you think that's just fiction? Do you think like your environment, the the concept is the environment around where Mm -hmm. you stay in makes you the person you are healthy or sick? Yeah, I I think that definitely. Yeah. I thought that was an interesting concept because he's he's not sick at all, but he does get sick and he gets infections the lower down he gets and his morale really decreases 
and the doctors become slightly more pessimistic. Mm-hmm. And, the, the um, environment that you're in will will play a massive, massive part on on things like that. Yeah, I think that's uh, sounds like a very good concept. Right. Yeah, and it's it's a horror story. So again, it's really weird for the time I find because he's kind of a horror, science fiction, fantasy, existentialist, absurdist writer. So that's uh, Seven Floors, and there's always an element of really black humor in it as well. Um, there are stories here of aliens, of saints who live who live in a place where God is a lake. Now, PJ, are there seven aliens and seven saints? <laughs> <laughs> you would think so, but he kind of he kind of leaves it though. He just oh, does yeah, two yeah. stories. Sadly, I wish he had like seven. <laughs> he's, he's got a story, for example, of um, a drop of water terrorizing the flatmates because the drop of water is alive and it's going up the stairs rather than down the stairs. But the flatmates are embarrassed because they don't want to tell their neighbors because obviously that's just, you know, they think they're crazy. Um, so the drop of water is literally terrorizing one flat, one flatmate wow. after the next. It's really weird because I, you, I would think that would be more of a David Cronenberg, more of an 80s concept. Mm-hmm, maybe, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Not something for the 40s and 50s. Um, so that's uh, Dino Busanti. Um, my favorite story of all is the longest one. It was 28 pages. It's called The Dog Who Saw God. It's the only story I mention more. It's basically, it's, it's playing around with, is this, God, is this dog a god? Because this dog has been, it's the, it's the dog of a hermit. And he had been sending the hermit bread. Now, one day a big light appears in the forest where the hermit and the dog lives and the hermit dies. And when the dog comes back, he seems to be very non, non-dog-esque. He seems to be looking into the souls of everyone living, judging people. And people begin to kind of believe that God is in the dog. Right. So this is a really immoral kind of village. And everyone becomes really Christian, but by force. It's like kind of a, a, kind of a uh, God-dog dictator. And that's what the story is about. Again, it was a horror element, a comic element. It's about this whole town being forced to Christianity just because there's a dog there who might be God. Very, very interesting. So it sounds yeah. like these are good stories. Uh, I would like to yeah. maybe read something by, by yeah. Dino. Yeah, uh, have a look as there are several different collections of different names of Dino Busati. I don't think any one of them is called literally the Mystery uh, Boutique. But find his short stories because they're really, they're very short. He's got one called 60 stories which are just short stories of three or four pages mm. and great stories very kind of sci-fi existentialist there's oh there's one about uh, mice terrorizing <laughs> mice taking over a, a house and terrorizing the family um just... yeah yeah there's the one that i mentioned was that saints after they die they kind of get to live in this holiday resort where god is a lake Mm-hmm. And they're kind of neighbors, but one of them gets jealous because he doesn't get any letters from his oh. from people praying because no one prays for him. He's kind of forgotten saint. So I, 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 I love the concepts. Well, I want to say one thing. Well, two things. The first thing is the title, The Boutique of Mysteries. Um, it made me think of the Mr. Band cartoon, actually. I don't know if you remember the Mr. Band cartoon. I no. think he was going to go in and just by magic, the shopkeeper appears. And then he takes him to like a mystical world in the in the wow. dressing room of the shop. It's an old, you know, 2D kind of cartoon from a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but the second thing is, PJ, there's one thing I'd really love to hear about. Um, I don't know if you heard of the book called uh, Discovery of Heaven. I, I feel like I, I don't have enough information about that, about that book to date. 
the discovery of heaven has been at last finished. <laughs> and we'll move on to that now because I don't want to mention it because I believe we had over an hour and a half if we added two episodes together of Congress. Yeah, I think it's been a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Look, all I can say is um, I've got one negative aspect to say about it. I was disappointed by the ending which was a bit of a letdown because I really loved Aww. the book. You know how I loved the book. I went on and on about it. And I loved it so much I could hardly describe it. I was like a, I was like a child before Christmas talking about it. Um, really a, a great book. I don't have much more to say than last time. But the ending, I feel like, did you have to write that ending? Very disappointing. Very, very kind of like a bit, bit of a letdown. I was expecting more of a grandiose God is going to kick you in the you know, without yeah. using swear words, but it was a bit more realistic, perhaps, than I would have liked. <laughs> okay, okay. Not but, a fan of the realism this time. Well, fair enough. <laughs> at least you finished it, you know. <laughs> at least I finished it. But again, <laughs> highly recommend it, guys. Um, it, do, it And it goes very uh, religious in the end. It does go very right. into religious history, not religious per se, which I don't know how I feel about it. It was well done, but um, only if you're interested in that. Mm. So I have to kind of let people down okay. a bit about the ending. Oh, there we go. I'm going to play next. Uh, we got the following voicemail. I don't know if you've heard of this lady, PJ, uh, Anne Wedgwood. Um, oh, I believe I have. So I'm going to play this. Hi, Dean. Hi, PJ. How are you? Where if I know I anything about you guys, you've got a nose stuck in a book, but I hope you'll bring it out long enough to hear a message from me. Um, I remember that uh, you enjoyed my book, The Botanist, last year, and I thought you might like to know that I brought out a new one. It's called The Soloist, and it's another murder mystery. It's another twist in the tale novel, so it's starring D.I. Ronnie Twist again, and it's set in the very wonderful town of Beverly. This one's a little bit different from the last one. It's not got an old lady as a protagonist. It's a young girl called Scarlet. The first line goes like this. I couldn't kill Max Salento. He was already dead. I hope that will hook you in. I hope you'd like to know who Max Salento is, why he was dead and why Scarlet wanted to kill him. The whole thing is all about a race against time for Scarlet as she tries to find out who's actually killed this man before she gets arrested and put in jail. Anyway, I'll send you a copy over so you can have a look at it. Hope you enjoy it, and I'd love to hear what you think about it. Bye. Wow. Bye to yourself, thanks, man. So there it's we go. Lovely here. It's lovely hearing from you, man. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, thanks very much. Yeah, you have it right there. It's a lovely so, cover, actually. So it's very nice. Yeah, and you see this little piano just there in the, in the oh, woods, you know? Oh, I like that. It's a bit yeah. more Caribbean, actually, that, that cover. It is a little bit, yeah. Yeah, I like it. Well, so what, what can I what can I say about this? I'm keeping on my crime theme from the last book, and um, this is another one. Again, it's about 250 pages, something like that. I think I read this one in two days. You know, these well, are you're a fast reader. I'm a fast reader, but they're also yeah. addic- addictive books. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Totally. <laughs> and I, I took this one up to, to Hillsborough uh, Forest Park, and I sat by the lake with the geese, and I and I read to, oh, the, nice. to the geese. You know, so if you want to see again on our Instagram, if you want to see me <laughs> yeah. trying to get the geese to read, um, you can <laughs> you can find that. I believe last time you, you tried to uh, to get the swans to read Wilkie Collins was was even more challenging. Yes, this is more realistic. I'm winning them over. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> so this. Um, this book, The Soloist, is, as Anne said, a race against time. So we have this girl, Scarlet, and I think she didn't have the most pleasant of childhoods, some issues with her mom and this kind of thing. So she's sort of a vulnerable person and she's doing care work. And eventually this lady says, look, I don't want you know these carers coming in and out and different people. And 
you know, come and live with us. We'll pay you a salary and you can be my dedicated, you know, live-in carer. Not, not even 24-7, you'll have your, your kind of your time off and things as well, but just someone regular to, to live in the house um, for Ada, this lady. And so she does it. So that's grand. Um, and then this, this lady Ada says to her, one thing though, um, I would like to maybe make some provision for you in my will because they, they develop a rapport and a relationship. Um, but the condition of that is that when I get to the point where I start to lose my mind, you've got to kill me. All right. Interesting concept. And this girl's quite vulnerable and quite susceptible and she agrees to do it. And they say, but you know, we're going to inject some morphine in between the, I think it's between the toes, but they, they have a foolproof method to do it. Poison okay. and then an air bubble, I think, between the toes. To, to, there's, a, there's a system. And, <laughs> but they say, look, we need to make sure it works. So uh, we need to practice on uh, Max Salento. Oh, oh, Lord. And this poor girl, Scarlet, doesn't know Max Salento. She doesn't know why they need to kill him. She's just told he's a threat to the family. And that's it. She's got to go and do the, the murder. Now, most of what I've just told you, we just we discover a few chapters in because okay. the opening of the book is that she goes to kill Max, finds him, and he's already dead, as Anne said. Wow. Um, so she can't really do the plan. But she's so afraid of Ada. Not, not afraid of Ada, but afraid of disappointing Ada that she doesn't want to tell her that it didn't work. So she just tells her that it all went to plan. As far mm. as Ada knows, she did the murder. And then D.I. Ronnie Twist from the yeah, from the botanist, from, from, from the botanist yeah. shows up and says, look, someone's done this murder. You know, what's going on? We, we know that Max was in the area. We, we have, they track his, you know, his phone or whatever, and he was near the house before the murders and things like that. And then they look at the cameras and they discover a woman going into the hotel. And there's three women in the house. There's the daughter, the mum, and whatever. And it, well, not the old lady, but there's also Scarlet. So they're trying to figure out, well, who, who could it be? All right. Now, theoretically, it could have been just someone else, of course. And another woman appears, and that is the partner, the fiancé of Max. Mm. Um, but then Max has been cheating, and who's he been cheating with, and all this kind of stuff. Um, and then there's some secrets, because it turns out that Max teaches at the same school that the daughter in the house goes to. But okay, interested in her or her friend, and, you know... Then the parents are arguing and saying one of them went out for a walk the night of the murder and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then the son has a new girlfriend and they wonder, well, is, is there any involvement? It's a little, that one's a little bit more tentative, but could she have hmm. potentially been involved? So they try to increase what seems like maybe two or three suspects into actually potentially a few more, you know? Okay. And it's got, it's got um, some characters from the botanist. So for those of you listening, we interviewed... And which would about um, episode seven was it maybe episode six or seven something like that seven or eight maybe in an in around seven that, eight yeah. perhaps yeah um, so so is this is the same universe with one recurring character or more recurring characters really it's only di Ronnie twist I mean she okay. has a she has a chap with her but I honestly can't remember if it's the same one or not um, because okay, okay. Ronnie Ronnie twist is the main. Um, Interesting. Okay. Her, you know. Yeah, and it's only very Agatha Christian now, like in the sense of, well, who did it? Between the, there are more characters coming up bit by bit, and you expect that, um, you know, so the so the reader expects that it was a very plain kind of death, but it's not clear at all. Yeah, and I mean Anne's a big fan of Agatha Christie and, and that whole yeah, style, yeah. and she's always posting on her on her Instagram and um, pictures of her books with with Agatha Christie's books, and <laughs> um, she loves it, but. 
I, I really enjoyed this one. I, I feel bad for Scarlett. You know, you do feel that she's being pressured into a situation. Mm. She starts to get curious. She gets together with the fiance and they form a little team of investigators. She starts snooping around the house. They discover there are, I'm not going to go into what it is, but they do discover there are some secrets. within. And the, the botanist has a, has an interesting format of going backwards into, into time, right? So the crime has been committed, just like in the second novel. And then we get to discover how. Um, yes. Yeah. So the first novel we're trying to discover... She's, you know, we, we know who did it. Um, yeah. Whereas this time we don't. Ah, we know yeah, who didn't do it. Okay, okay. Okay, okay. That's interesting. Mm. All right, okay. So it's, it's a very good concept and it's a very fun read. So for anyone that likes that style of, of book, your Agatha Christie styles, your, your murder mystery type things, I would say, you know, go for it. And the reason it's called The Soloist is because um, the, the, the girl, I think it's Polly, she was going to do a performance with Max Salento who she said she never met before, but he taught at her school. Um, and so he, he's a pianist and she plays um, a cello, I think it is. And so they were going to go in and do a performance together, you know? So that's, that was mm. the, the, that was this kind of backstory and the reason for the, the title of the book, you know? Okay, cool. Yeah. So I really, really recommend that one. And thank you so much, um, Anne, for uh, getting in touch and for sending that one out yeah. to us. Totally. It's lovely hearing from you. And good luck. And as as I think you're probably already starting your next book, as far as I know you. So uh, good luck with that or whatever it is you're doing right now. Mm-hmm. And we love Ronnie Twist. Um, I, I, what yeah, I like about good. her is she's never the main character. You know, the books are never mm. from her from her point of view or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But she's just a, this kind of good, tough mm. cop that comes in and then Does... you start to get a little bit tense when she gets around. You yeah. Know? Well, like, you know, Marple and Poirot, they aren't necessarily the main characters either, right? They usually aren't the main characters. So it's an interesting thing. Like, they're just these detectives or people just appear. And um, yeah, yeah Poirot sometimes so, but... is, but Miss Marple is almost sometimes, never the main yeah. character. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Cool. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.